brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Part two of our epic four-part series on epic. Wyatt Earp on here on Outlaws and Gunslingers. The first part we had was all about Wyatt Earp's younger days, his trouble with the law, him becoming a lawman, and him and his brothers and Doc Holliday. <laughs> him, him and his brothers and their fucking infatuation with uh, fucking brothels with, and uh, with, fucking whores. With whores and whiskey. In part one of our four-part series, we looked at the early life of Wyatt and his trouble with the law and becoming a lawman himself. He eventually arrives in Tombstone with his brothers, and we see the events that lead up to the infamous shootout at the OK Corral. Right. From Wyatt messing around with the Sheriff Bayhan's woman, the Cowboys trying to frame Doc Holliday for a stagecoach robbery to the ever-growing tensions between the Cowboys and the Herbs. Mm-hmm. You know, you just know it wasn't you know, going to end well. Something right. This is this one's all about the gunfight at the OK Corral as well as the events after leading up to mm. the Herb Vendetta ride. This shootout would be regarded as the most famous in the history of the Wild Are we West. picking up right at the OK Corral or OK no. Corral or just hopefully no. before? Because there's major events that happened before. We got, uh, we got some in-depth fucking shit happening before that. Yes. Of what leads to the OK Corral, really. Yes. So. Well. Basically. We kind of led to the OK Corral, but this uh, this whole episode is going to be dedicated to the night before and the morning. There you go. So. That's what I was waiting to hear, buds. Wyatt Earp testified after the gunfight that five or six weeks prior, he had met with uh, Ike Clanton outside the Alhambra Motel. Hotel, that is. Uh, Ike told Wyatt that Doc Holliday had told him he knew of Ike's meetings with uh, with Wyatt and uh, about Ike providing information on Head, Leonard, and Crane, as well as their attempted robbery of the stage. So, and this Clanton guy is like a fucking backstabbing little horror. Potentially. Right. Well, Ike now accused Earp of telling Holiday about these conversations. He's like, you told this some bitch. Earp's like, I did not. He's like, well, I probably did, but so fucking what, right? Uh, 
Earp testified that he told Ike that he had not told Holiday anything. Oh, <laughs> uh, 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 Wyatt Earp offered to prove this when Holiday and the Clintons next returned to town. Oh. Which, okay, okay, yeah, that's right. Uh, everybody forget that Doc Holiday is like a fucking genius, and he knew everything for some reason. He was a dentist. It's like everybody told him everything, right? Yeah, it's dentist talk. <laughs> he was a dentist. Um, a month later, the weekend before the shootout, Morgan Earp was concerned about possible trouble with the Cowboys. He asked Doc Holliday to come back to Tombstone from a fiesta celebration in Tucson, yeah. where Holliday had been gambling. Upon his return, Wyatt Earp asked Holliday about Ike's accusation. On the morning of Tuesday, October 25th, 1881, the day before the gunfight, Ike Clanton and Tom McLaurie drove 10 miles in a spring wagon from Chandler's Milk Ranch at the foot of the Dragoon Mountains to Tombstone. They were in town to sell a large number of beef stock, most of them owned by the McLaurys. All right. Well, Fred Dodge, everybody knows Fred Dodge, uh, an undercover detective for Wells Fargo, heard from J.B. Ayers, another undercover Wells Fargo man in contention, that Frank McLaurie, McLaurie, Billy Clanton, and Billy Claiborne were in town and planning to join Ike and Tom in Tombstone Wednesday afternoon. So they're like, it's not good when you get all five of these motherfuckers together. No. They already knew the tensions were fucking rising, so they're right. like, yeah, it's probably not a good idea. Right. Well, Dodge, who had been sick, got up and went looking for City Marshal Virgil Earp. Uh, he found Tombstone Deputy City Marshal Morgan Earp at the Alhambra Saloon uh, instead and told him the news. He was like, dude, check this out. I can't find your fucking brother. Where the fuck's his ass? Like, the I don't fu- fucking know. Isn't your brother like the fucking U.S. Marshal? Where the, right. where the fuck is this He's guy? like, I don't fucking know, man. Shit, well, tell me. I'll tell him. They're like, all right, check this out, Morgan. Check this shit out, buddy. He's like, what? He's like, near midnight, uh, Doc Holliday saw... Wait, no. Yeah, well, he just told him what happened. Right. Near midnight, Holliday saw Clanton in Aramba Saloon and confronted Ike, accusing him of lying about their previous conversations. So Doc Holliday wasn't no bitch, No, he walked up. He was like, I understand. It's quite (laughs) sure that you're... uh, Saying that I'm a... You have been uh, given wrong that information I'm a, on me. That I'm a gossip gooer. <laughs> a gossip gooper. How'd they say it back then? What was the gossipers? That I can't keep my lips shut. Right. I'm a, I'm a flapping the gums. I'm flapping my gums. Uh, they got into a heated argument. Uh, and Wyatt Earp, who was not wearing a badge at this time, encouraged his brother Morgan to intervene. He was like, you gotta do it. He was like, what are you doing? He was like, I ain't wearing a badge. No, I ain't wearing his damn right. He's like, shit. Morgan's like, fuck! Morgan took Holiday out onto the street, and Ike, who had been drinking steadily, followed them. Mm. He was like, Holiday, Doc, just come out here, man. Let's calm down. And fucking uh, Ike's like, well, hold on. I ain't done yet, motherfuckers. Yeah. Oh, and he's calling me outside, right? No, oh, you don't ever get called out. Did, you, did they call people outside back then? They just beat each other up in a bar, right? Well, unless the bartender was like, take that shit outside. Right. I didn't hear that, though. Uh, City Marshal Virgil Earp arrived a few minutes later. He was like, what the fuck? He's tucking his shirt in and shit, fixing his tie. The old lady coming on the porch, wiping her fucking mouth. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, minutes later, and threatened to arrest both Holiday and Clan if they did not stop arguing. Like, listen here, Doc. I like you and all. We're friends. But you're causing, dis- causing a disturbance in my town. And you, Ike, you're drunk. You just need to go home. If any more fucking snagging comes out of both of you, I'm going to have to arrest you guys. <laughs> right? Well, Wyatt Earp walked over to the Oriano Saloon, and Ike followed him. They talked again, and Ike threatened to confront Holiday in the morning. Ike told Earp that the fight and talk had been going on for a long time, that he intended to put an end to it. Ike told Earp, I will be ready for you in the morning. Wyatt told Ike to go home because there was no money in it. Right. 
Ike sat down near Wyatt, his revolver in plain sight, and told Earp, you must not think I won't be after you all in the morning. Virgil, mm-hmm. Virgil Earp went to the Occidental Saloon across the street. Uh-oh, so Virgil knew he had to go, yeah, fucking Wyatt, I better go over there. I don't want to be witness to this. Yeah, fucking, fucking stupidity. Uh, after Holiday's confrontation with uh, Ike Clanton, Wyatt Earp, <laughs> confrontation, 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 Wyatt Earp took Holiday back to his room. He was like, you ready to go, big boy? Holiday's <laughs> like, hell yeah. <laughs> He's like, what, what, what are you talking about? I just, I mean, you need to go to sleep. Oh. That right. was a hell of a thing for you to say to me. Right. <laughs> right. I'll be your sleeper, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be your sleepy bear, <laughs> I'll be your sleepy bear, Wyatt. Erpy. Uh, I'll be your sleepy bear, Erpy. <laughs> uh, Wyatt Erp took Holiday back to his room at the Camelus Sydney Buck Flies Lot. Damn, that's a lot to say. Oh, Buck shit. Flies Lodging House. Uh, to sleep off his drinking. He's like, you're fucking drunk. Do you got a room? No, I didn't get one yet. Well, why don't you fucking come check out mine, man? You can fucking sleep there. No. All right. That was Holiday's room. Oh, he had a room? Yes. White took Holiday back to his room. Well, I'm thinking that White Earp took Holiday back to White's room. That's Why would White Earp have a room in a hotel anyway, since he's like the... Exactly. Well, anyway, Wyatt Earp took Holiday back to Holiday's hotel room in the <laughs> Buckfly's lodging house to sleep off his drinking. He then went home to bed. Tombstone Marshal Verger Earp played poker with Ike Canton, oh, Clanton and Tom McLaurie. Should have never done that. Cochise? Cochise? Cochise or Cochise? I'm going to say Cochise. Cochise County Sheriff Johnny Behan and a fifth unmanned name in the back room of the Occidental Saloon until morning. So, Did you just, did you just call it? Did you just call him an unman named? Unnamed man. I said unnamed man. <laughs> he said unman named. Unman named. <laughs> after that, after Wyatt took fucking uh, 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 Doc Holiday back to his room, he went home and went to bed. Tombstone Marshal Virgil Earp played poker with Ike Clanton, Tom McLaurie, Cochis County uh, Sheriff Johnny Behan, and a fifth unnamed man in a back room of the Occidental Saloon until the very early morning. So these motherfuckers stayed up all night drinking whiskey, playing cards. If they stayed up all night getting along together, I I wonder if Ike was just like mumbling shit or talking shit to Virgil, you know what I mean? The whole night. Maybe. Doesn't say. Right. Well, at about dawn on the 26th of October, uh, the card game broke up and Behan and uh, Virgil Earp Went home to bed. They're like, fuck this shit. I'm done, guys. Ike Clanton testified later that he saw Virgil take a six-shooter out of his lap and stick it in his pants when the game ended. So Virgil wasn't no fool. He had his fucking gun sitting on his lap the whole time. Like, do something, bitch. Right. Do something, bitch. Right. Well, not having rented a room, Tom McLaurie and Ike Clanton had no place to go. Shortly after 8 a.m., barkeeper E.F. Boyle spoke to Ike Clanton in front of the telegraph office. Clanton had been drinking all night, and Boyle encouraged him to get some sleep, man. But Ike said, no, nah, I ain't going to bed. Boyle later testified that he noticed Ike was armed and covered his gun for him. Boyle, Boyle later said that Ike and he's told not him, supposed to have any weapons. No, as soon mm. as the Earps, Ike told him that as soon as the Earps and Doc Holliday showed themselves on the street, the ball would open, that they would have to fight. Well, I went down to Wyatt Earp's house and told him that Ike so look at this. threatened him. So look at this. this guy, these guys are like cold-blood fucking murderers and shit. They can easily go to where they're sleeping and just fucking moited them in the bedrooms and shit. But no, 
that's what I love about back then. They didn't, they didn't, they, they called your ass out in the street and you fucking did it fair or they just blew your brains out. But at least they're in front of you. They didn't go like while you're sleeping or. Tell that to Hickok. Well, that was just a fucking crazy lunatic that probably never shot a gun in his life at a person. And he was just fucking one of those fucked up motherfuckers. You know, you got him everywhere, man. He, he took offense to fucking. Oh, uh, while Bill Hickok was, this guy's like hero. No, this, no, this is the guy that killed his brother. That's right. His brother died from Hickok. That's what it was. But he was still a fan of Hickok as well. His brother, it's not confirmed that he killed his brother. Well, it's confirmed he was that Hickok was there. He assaulted him at the, uh, the poker game the night before. Yeah, and he loved, he still loved Hickok. No. Yeah, he was. He was no. You he don't was, remember anything from our episode? Dude, that dude, like, fucking Jack loved. Jack McCall. Yeah, he loved Hickok. No, he he admired him. No. He admired Hickok. No, that was fucking. He admired that was, him. That was James Wesley Harden episode that we did. Remember, and Hickok didn't even know who he was. Right. But they fucking were friends, and then he ended up shooting the dude for snoring. That's right. Getting your shows a little bit mixed Hold up on. there, pal. McCall. Jack McCall uh, is yeah, the one yeah, that yeah, shot Hickok. Yeah, 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 Over a fucking bar game because he told him to get the fuck out of the table or some shit, didn't he? He said, go, go get out of here yeah. before you lose all your money, and yeah. gave him money for lunch or something. Yeah. Go get breakfast. After boy. he took all his money. Yeah. Well, Boyle said I went down to Wyatt Earp's house and told him that Ike Clanton had threatened that when Wyatt, his brothers, and Doc showed themselves on the street, that the ball would open. Ooh, you know what that means, guys. Mm. Wyatt said in his to- testimony after that that he remembered uh, neither meeting Boyle nor making any such statements that day. Oh, shit, it was 8 o'clock in the morning. You've been drinking. You've been drinking all. Yeah, for, yeah. So, obviously. Well, Deputy Marshal Andy Bronk also heard the talk around town. He woke Virgil, and he was like, he was like uh, listen to this shit. And he was like, fuck it, I'm going back to sleep. <laughs> He's like, all right, I'm going back to bed. He's like, dude, I've been, I've been, what time is it? He's like, it's 8.45. Dude, I've been sleeping for like an hour and a half. <laughs> Maybe. But you're the fucking sheriff guy. You shouldn't have been up all night, you moron. That, I mean, you don't get no sleep. Nobody did anything in the daytime. Anyways. All right, you can at least give him three hours sleep. At least be up by 10. Yeah. All right. So leave Virgil alone. You shouldn't have said anything until he got up. Ike's ongoing threats were not worth losing sleep, he said. He said, fuck that drunk motherfucker. He'll pass out. I'll be, uh, he'll be fine. Later in the morning, Ike picked up his rifle and his revolver from the West End Corral, where he had deposited his weapons and stabled his wagon and, 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 and uh, the team after entering town. So he basically made it seem like, hey, guys, you know what? We're fucking out. Give my shit. I'm out of town. You think there would have to be a deputy or a fucking a law enforcement there to allow the handing back of that and make sure they get out of town? Because anybody can just go up to the fucking uh, to the library and fucking uh, is it livery? Was it livery? Livery, livery. Anybody can go up there. Ivory. Everybody can go up there. And be like, I'm leaving town now. Give me my shit. And I'm like, All right, here you go. That's like boo, 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 boo. <laughs> yeah. So that right there is fucked up. Um. So he got his fucking his weapons and he's got his horses. And uh, by noon that day, Ike was still drinking and once again armed. So why he's got all of his shit and he's still in town in violate in violation of the city ordinance against carrying firearms in the city. So like just, he did exactly what I just said. He grabbed his horse and all his shit and then turned right around, went back to the fucking salon. He didn't grab his horses. He just grabbed his guns. But he's got his horses ready. He probably said, get them ready. Maybe. All right. 
and delivery the li- library guy has to. That's his job. He has to fucking get the horses ready. Uh, he told anyone who would listen he was looking for holiday and or herb. Or uh, both of them. And or. We'll take them one at a time. Uh, so, so you got this guy drunk as fuck by himself, right, at this time, supposedly, by himself. Or does he have all of his fucking, his, his yahoos with him? Who, Ike? Yeah, he's by himself right now. Ike right now, yeah. And he's walking through the streets. Well, everybody's sleeping. Like he's fucking, uh, like he's fucking Biff, uh, fucking Mad Dog, fucking, uh, from fucking Back to the Future. Tell him fucking, uh, Clint Eastwood to get his ass out here. Eastwood! You got to the count of ten to get your yellow belly some some canister out here. Nobody calls me yellow. But unfortunately for Ike, it don't end up with the face full of uh, horse manure. Sure don't. Uh, at Fly's boarding well, house. Well, at Fly's boarding house <laughs> where Holiday and his common-law wife, Mary Catherine Haroni, were sleeping, proprietor Mary Fly heard Clanton's threats and banged on Holiday, Holiday's door. Fly told Haroni... Ike Clanton was here looking for Holiday. He had a rival with him. Haroni woke Holiday and relayed the threat, who replied, If God will let me live to get my clothes on, he will he will see me. Oh shit. At about one PM, Marshal Virgil and his deputy Morgan found Ike on Fourth Street, still armed, and Virgil pistol whipped him from behind. Right. Disarming him, the herbs took Ike to appear before the Justice of the Peace. Right. A A. O. Wallace for Violating the ordinance, Wyatt waited with Clanton while Virgil went to find Justice Wallace so a court hearing could be held. Right. So yeah, these guys getting ready for court hearing, and Ike's in the county jail right now yeah. with all of his homeboys still around somewhere. Right. Well, why Wyatt... he's not even in the jail; he's just in the courthouse. Okay. So while Wyatt waited for Jer- Virgil, while Wyatt waited for Virgil to return with Justice Wallace, witnesses overheard Wyatt tell Clanton, "You cattle thieving son of a fucking bitch." And you know that I know that you are a cattle thieving son of a fucking bitch. You threaten my life enough. And you got to fight, Ike. You got to fight, Ike. And Ike Clanton was heard to reply, fight? Fight is my racket. And all I want is four feet of ground. Mm. Damn. Ike reported in his testimony afterward that Wyatt Earp cursed him. He's like, this motherfucker cursed me out. <laughs> he's, a, he's a lot of bad words. He's a lot of bad words. I was offended. He said that Wyatt, Virgil, Morgan, and Morgan offered him his rifle and to fight him right there in the courthouse, which Ike declined. Very fucking smart. Ike also denied ever threatening the Earps. Justice Wallace fined Ike $25 hairs, which is a lot of money back then, about 1000 bucks probably, equivalent to uh, $660 in 2019. See, about 1000 bucks. Well, Plus court costs, so about 1000 bucks. Yeah. Ike paid the fine and Virgil. Damn, you know, these motherfuckers just get money in jail. Ike paid six hundred dollars. Well, he was a cattle rustler, so he probably yeah, had he a little probably, bit of cheese. Yeah. Uh, so Ike was like, "No problem. <laughs> get Keep me the out of here. Keep the change of filthy, filthy animal." Virgil told Ike he could pick up his confiscated rifle and his revolver at the Grand Hotel, which was favored by cowboys when in town. So he was like, "There, you can. Why would he not? I'd be like, you can pick up your shit at the edge of town. Meet me at the edge of town, and I'll give you your punk ass shit." Actually, I'll put your shit at that sound and just throw it out in the fucking dirt. You can go. Uh, Ike testified that he picked up the weapons from William Soul, uh, the jailer, a couple days later. Why do you wait a couple days to pick up his weapons? He's probably so drunk. All right, he slept them off. 
uh, outside the courthouse where Ike was being fined, Tombstone Deputy Marshal Wyatt almost walked into 28-year-old Tom McLaurie as the two men were brought up short nose to nose. Oh. Mm. Tom, who had arrived in town the day before, was required by the well-known city ordinance to deposit his pistol when he first arrived in town. When Wyatt demanded, are you healed or not? McGlory said he was not armed. Wyatt testified that he saw a revolver in plain sight on the right hip of Tom's pants. Oh, no. As an unpaid deputy marshal for Virgil, Wyatt habitually carried a pistol in his waistband, as was custom of that time. Right. So he's not technically a, uh, a he deputy. Has no, he has no jurisdiction to do anything. Really. Right. But he's actually, he can like make citizen's arrest or help the fucking deputy if he need to be, right? Can't have a weapon on him. Legal. When did he actually get his fucking... Uh, when did when, didn't he become uh, not the sheriff? Tombstone, not of Tombstone. Or he was just a deputy marshal. He was just a deputy. He was a marshal for that one day. Right. Witnesses reported that Wyatt drew his revolver from his coat pocket and pistol whipped Tom McClory, and he pistol whipped him twice. Twice. Right. Leaving him, uh, leaving him prostrate and bleeding on the street. Leaving, leaving his prostate full <laughs> and bleeding from the head on the street. Saloon keeper Andrew Mihan testified that Spicer, that the, that, um, okay here. Saloon keeper Andrew Mihan testified at the Spicer hearing afterward that he saw McClory deposit a revolver at the Capitol Saloon sometime between 1 and 2 p.m. After the confrontation with Wyatt, which Mihan also witnessed, Wyatt said in his deposition afterward, deposition, that he had, that he had been temporarily acting as city marshal for Virgil the week before while uh, Virgil was in Tucson. So he was like, dude, my bro said, hey, man, can you, like, play me for a while? What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, Cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. He's like, sure. <laughs> that was only when Virgil was out of town, though. Virgil's right. not out of town no more. It's true. Uh, that he was, uh, he, yeah, so Wyatt, uh, Wyatt Earp was fucking... Uh, he, he he fucking took over for Virgil when Virgil was not in town. Virgil was in Tucson for the Pete Spence and Frank Stilwell trial. Well said that he still considered himself a deputy city marshal, which Virgil later confirmed. Right. So obviously he's gonna confirm it. He's like, Well, I never really just say he's off duty, uh yeah. that you know, his shit was over with, so Well, since Wyatt was an off duty officer, he could not legally search or arrest Tom right. for carrying a revolver within the city limits, right. a misdemeanor offense. Right. Only Virgil, one of his city police deputies, including Morgan Earp and possibly Warren Earp, right. could search him and take any required action. Right. So who the fuck was Warren Earp between? Warren was that? the youngest, I believe. Yeah, but he didn't take part in a gunfight. Um uh, Warren, Warren, no, so, he was like the young youngin. Wyatt, who was portrayed as a non drinker, testified at the Spicer hearing that he went to Hafford's and bought a cigar and went outside to watch the Cowboys. <laughs> At the time of the gunfight, about two hours later, Wyatt could not know if Tom was still armed. And these motherfuckers been watching the Cowboys. These motherfuckers been watching the Cowboys for a hundred years. He's like, man, I was sitting at home watching the Cowboys. I was sitting there watching the Cowboys. Fucking Emmett Smith ran for 130 yards. Fucking Emmett Clanton. Fucking Emmett Clanton ran for fucking 120 <laughs> yards, and fucking Troy fucking uh, Hafford fucking did some shit. <laughs> 
It was early afternoon by the time Ike and Tom had seen doctors for their head wounds. The day was chilly with snow still on the ground in some places. Mm. Both Tom and Ike had spent the night gambling, drinking heavily, and without sleep. Right. Now they were both out of doors, both wounded from head beatings, and at least Ike was still drunk. <laughs> so Jeez, you know they're pissed. They had a rough day. You motherfuckers are pissed. Well, at around 1.30 to 2 o'clock p.m., after Tom had been pistol whipped by Wyatt, Ike's 19-year-old younger brother, Billy Clanton, and uh, Tom's older brother, Frank McClary, arrived into town. They're like, well, I know they're here. Let's go check them out. Holy shit, what the fuck happened to what you? What the fuck happened to you guys? In motherfucking Wyatt's. I mean, the Murps. <laughs> the Murps. <laughs> the Murps. Uh, they had heard from their neighbor, Ed Old Man Frank. Old Man Frank said this. He said that Ike had been stirring up trouble in town overnight, and they had ridden into town on horseback to back up their brothers. Like, man, we heard this shit uh, from the, uh, the other town. From old man, remember remember him? Old man Frank, he said, you guys are uh, in some trouble. And we we're like, oh, hell no. And we seen the bat symbol in the sky, and we rode. Craig's in trouble. Come quick. Craig's in trouble. Uh, Ike's in trouble. Come quick. Right? Well, they arrived from Antelope Springs, 13 miles east of Tombstone, where they had been rounding up stock and had breakfast. Uh, where they had been rounding up stock and they had ate breakfast with Ike and Tom the day before. <laughs> Both Frank and Billy were unarmed. Where we're armed. Both Frank and Billy were armed with a revolver and a rifle, as was custom for riders in the country outside Tombstone. I mean, Obviously. everybody had that, right? and a couple of knives, I bet. One in the boot, one in the side, and you got to have something somewhere, somewhere else. Maybe one in each boot. Somewhere. One in each boot. Uh, Apache warriors had engaged the U.S. Army near Tombstone just three weeks before the O.K. Corral gunfight. So the need for weapons outside of town was well established and accepted. Oh, it was obviously. encouraged. It was encouraged. Don't leave this fucking Don't, town unless with, you got some weapons right, on you. You need to be fully fucking armed. You need a fucking shotgun. You need a revolver. You need a couple knives. You need a fucking uh, a rock or two. I'd be uh, traveling with like a face shield. Shoot me with no damn arrow. Right. Fucking sneaky engines. That's what they do. Idiots. Idiots. Billy and Frank stopped first at the Grand Hotel on Allen Street and were greeted by Doc Holliday. Uh Uh-oh. They learned immediately after... uh, They learned immediately after of their brother's beatings by the Earps within the two previous hours. Mm. Uh, The incidents had generated a lot of talk in town. Angrily, Frank said he would not drink, and he and Billy left the saloon immediately to seek Tom. All right. By law, both Frank and Billy should have left their firearms at the Grand Hotel. Instead, they remained fully armed. Which is why, why, why did they? Mm. 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 Fucking damn Democrats right out of then. <laughs> uh, fucking liberals. Well, I think uh, if they're remaining armed, they could be... They were allowed they would... to remain armed. Why were they allowed to remain armed? They should have been de-armed. There was nobody there to stop them. Disarmed. There should always be somebody in every part of the fucking city to stop somebody. <sighs> White said that he saw Billy Clant and Frank McClary in uh, Spangenberger's gun and hardware store on the Fort Street, on Fort Street, filling their gun belts with cartridges. So they, he knew. He was like, all right. So he should have been ready, right? You're going to get Brabrows. I didn't even think. You're going to get Brabrows. Well, Ike testified afterward that Tom was not there and that he had tried to buy a new revolver, but the owner saw Ike's bandaged head and refused to sell him one. He was like, dude, you want revenge. And I don't, I don't sell revenge pistols. <laughs> I sell protection pistols. Right. Ike apparently had not heard Virgil tell him that his confiscated weapons were at the Grand Hotel. Oh, okay. And he probably heard he was just fucked up. He's like, dude, you're These fucking... motherfuckers got my weapons. Your weapons are at the Grand Hotel around the corner. Uh, an 
that's what the uh, Spanger shop is like, dude, dude. Don't you know your weapons are over there? He was like, you're fucking lying. Sell me. Sell me guns, please. Guns. Guns. <laughs> when Virgil Earp learned that Wyatt was talking to the Cowboys at Spangenberg's gun shop, he went there himself. He was like, oh, fuck. When Virgil testified afterward that he thought he saw all four men, Ike, Billy, Ike and Billy Clanton, Frank McGlory, and Tom McGlory, buying cartridges. So it's like all these motherfuckers said they're going to kill my brohan the day so before. They're, they're witnessing all these motherfuckers uh, right. buying ammo and right. shit, and they're like doing just nothing, like, just watching it. I swear I seen them fucking over there the other day, setting up barricades and shit, <laughs> putting piles of bricks in the middle of the street. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Yeah, I know what you're doing. <laughs> Continue though. Well, Virgil went around the corner on Allen Street to the Wells Fargo office where he picked up a 12 gauge or a 12 or a 10 gauge or a 12 gauge short barrel double. Short, double-barreled shotgun. It was probably a fucking tank gauge. It was an unusually cold and windy day in Tombstone, and Virgil was wearing a long overcoat. Right. To avoid alarming Tombstone's public, Virgil hid the shotgun under his overcoat he did. when he returned to Hafford's saloon. From Spangenberg's, the Cowboys moved to the OK Corral, where witnesses overheard them threatening to kill the Earps. For unknown reasons, the Cowboys then walked out the back of their OK Corral and then west, stopping in a narrow, empty lot next to C.S. Fly's boarding house. Right. So it was like in this little... Uh, in a little nook into town right there. So, basically, they cornered themselves. It was in an alley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're cornered. They, they're idiots. It didn't work out quite well for them. They didn't plan it out. They're still, like I said, what? Two of them were still fucking hammered from the night before. Ike and uh, Tom. Tom. Still fucking hammered from the night before. So, it's clearly not thinking straight. And clearly, the, young, the, the bros that came in were not leaders. So, they're like, what do we do? I can see the, the confusion in the... Well, at this time, Ike was the leader of the whole game because, right. remember, his daddy fucking got killed. Right. But I'm saying, but you got the level-headed, at least somewhat fucking sober uh, bros coming in, and they couldn't even fucking figure out what to do. You think yeah. they, you think they would have been smart enough to be like, uh, Ike and Tom, this little place right here, there's nowhere for us to go. <laughs> um... Is this smart? Like, yeah, we got them. Yeah, but I don't think they were... We got them. They weren't waiting there for a confrontation. I think they were just planning. Oh, they got confronted. Exactly. Uh, Virgil initially avoided a confrontation with the newly arrived Frank McClary and Billy Clanton, who had not yet deposited their weapons at a hotel or a stable, as law has required. The statue was not specific about how far a recently arrived visitor might, with good faith, and within reasonable time, travel into town with carrying a firearm. So that's true. I mean, it could be like an hour, two hours. I mean, not even that. Until you're noticed, right? Basically. And then you got to be like, "Hey, buddy, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't allow this guy." It clearly <laughs> this, says I mean, no firearms. Grass this point. You've been warned now, so. How about if I can please get your firearms now, you can do anything you want. Fucker, women, drink or whiskey. Do it. Uh, this permitted a traveler to keep his firearms if he proceeded directly to a library. A hotel or a saloon. So, you can come into town if there's nobody, like, right there. But, like I said, once you get fucking outed. Look at him! Sheriff! He's got got firearms. Right. And that should be be a fucking, um, an authority for a hotel manager, a bartender, or a livery, livery guy. They should have the authority to disarm. Or hold them there. Right, until police come. And you have to... Well, first you, of all, they if shouldn't... If you don't comply with these guys... They shouldn't be able to go 
It's into, a crime. They shouldn't be able to go into town to go to a hotel or a saloon. There should be a fucking right checkpoint there. at each entrance. Right. Fucking check your guns here. A couple of deputies. I'm sure you can spare two deputies for each side. You know your major points coming in. And if they're coming in from somewhere else, that's a bigger story there. But usually people are coming in through the fucking main road. Yep. Um, and usually times like that, there was one way in, one way out. Right. Well, there's two way in, in and out. Yeah, one way in, one way out, but still two ways out. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> right. There's the main road. Well, I mean, you can get through anywhere. I don't know, because Tombstone had many blocks, so I'm sure you could just exit town on any one of those right. fucking blocks. Right. Right. Well, anyway, fucking uh, visitors were permitted to, like I said, give their fucking uh, their firearms to a library, a hotel, or a They were allowed to owner. keep them if they were proceeding. To there, yeah. But there. It, the first... Any of these three people they meet, besides a, a law enforcement officer, they, they had to give their weapons. The three main tombstone corrals were all west of the 4th Street between Allen and Fremont, a block or two from where Wyatt saw the Cowboys buying cartridges. Uh, there was a local miner. His name was Reuben F. Coleman. Later told the tombstone epitaph, epitaph, epitaph. I was in the OK Corral at 2.30 p.m. that day. When I saw the two Clantons and the two McLaurys in an earnest conversation across the street at Dunbar's Corral, they're like, "What were they like? What were they doing?" It looked like they're plotting something. <laughs> he goes, "Well, I went up the street and notified Sheriff Behan and told them that it was my opinion that they meant trouble. These guys are mean in trouble. These guys are mean in trouble. I'm just letting y'all sheriff. know. Just letting y'all know, and it's my duty." And it was, uh, it was my duty as sheriff to go and disarm them. Uh, uh, he goes, I went I went up the street and notified Sheriff Behan and told him, dude, these guys fuck some shit up. And, and guess what, Sheriff? It's your <laughs> duty as a sheriff. It's your damn duty. It's your That's duty. why you got that fucking badge right. on. You have to go down and disarm those fellas before they fuck shit up. He goes, and I told them that, uh, that they had gone to the West End Corral right over down there, over there at the West right, End. Right at the West End. Where at the West End? No, no right over there. West End, Sheriff. You know what the West End, Sheriff. Sheriff, damn it. West End, damn it. How the fuck don't you know what West is? <laughs> and then and then went and saw Marshall Virgil Earp and notified him of the same effect. He's like, nah, damn it, I told your damn Sheriff. Shit's going down at the West End. But you're the Marshal. West End Corral. Now, you're the Marshal. I think the Marshal has over, yes. jurisdiction over the old Sheriff. Huh? Yeah, but it's up to Sheriff to make the call. Mar- this guy's the, Marshal's like this a- guy's the county marshal it's like a sheriff right but the sheriff well no marshal would be like the state police no. they have power over the sheriffs right but still it's like a mayor and governor and the mayor gets to make decisions first well the sheriff should have to go in there and then now then it's up to that then you got the marshal and then you got the fucking uh state marshal and then you got the fucking uh that's what virgil is is he a state or a county oh it's just oh, well the county that's right you get that state marshal and then you get that goes up from there to fucking uh uh, ranking military. It might be the that. state. I think Virgil was the state marshal. Either way, he's a marshal. Either way, Cochise, Cochise County Sheriff Bayhan, a friend of the Cowboys, later testified that he woke up about 1.30 p.m. after the late-night card game and went to get a shave at the barbershop. That's where he first learned that the Cowboys were armed. Bayhan stated he quickly finished his shave and went to locate the Cowboys. At about 2.30 p.m., he found Frank McClory holding a horse and talking to someone on 4th Street near the corner of Fremont. When he saw Ike Clanton and Tom McClory near C.S. Bly's photography studio, he walked there with Frank. 
He told the cowboys that they must give up their arms. Like, right. Come on, guys. You know what these fucking herps are fucking capable of. You got to. Right. You, you really they want this? They don't play around. Well, Ike Clanton said he was not armed when Tom McClory pulled his coat open to show he was not carrying a weapon. Oh. What about the other two fucks? Right. Well, the cowboys were located in a narrow 15 to 20 foot uh, lot between the hardwood house and Fly's 12 room boarding house. Yeah, that's fucking nothing. Right. And a photography studio at 312 Fremont Street. So, they're, like I said, it was just a little big enough. Imagine nowadays, big enough something for a dumpster. And a truck to pull in and get the dumpster out. Basically, yeah. In like a city, like New York City or something. It's just a little nook. A little nook, guys. Uh, uh, they were right there at a studio on 312 Fremont, right where Doc Holliday was roomed. Uh, Behan later said he attempted to persuade Frank McClary to give up his weapons, but Frank insisted that he would give up his guns only... Oh, uh, Okay. Only after City Marshal Virgil so Earp and his only, brothers were first disarmed. He so was, He was only City Marshal. Right. City Marshal. So uh, he was like, we'll so give actually, up our guns. fucking Bayhan had uh, rain over hey, sure. Virgil. Yeah, I so, yeah. Um, all right, he was like, so they're like, we'll give up our guns as long as the herbs do. Which they should have done, actually. Fist fight that shit out. Fist fight that shit out, right? Well, the Cowboys were about to block... We're about a block and a half from West End Corral at the 2nd Street and Fremont, where Ike and Tom's wagon and team were stabled. Well, Virgil, Virgil later testified that he thought Ike and Tom were stabled at the UK OK Corral. <laughs> Damn, at the United Kingdom. Damn. You motherfucker, I thought they were in fucking Britain. <laughs> Some bitch are like right here. Damn, they're in Tombstone. Uh, he, he said, I thought these guys were at the OK Corral on Allen between 3rd and 4th. They're like, no, they're at the fucking, uh, they're at the West, the West End Corral at 2nd Street in Fremont. <laughs> oh. And he was like, oh, fuck. Damn it. That's where I got that mixed up. 2nd, 3rd, 4th, right, right, right. The OK Corral and West End Corral, I mean, it's, it's kind of the same. <laughs> it sounds kind of similar, right? Uh, I just woke up. Right. From which he thought they would be departing if they were leaving town. He was like, I figured they're getting the fuck out of here. No. That's not the case. No. Well, Ike Clanton later said he was planning to leave. He was planning to leave right. town. Frank McLaurie reported that he decided to remain behind to take care of some business. Mm-hmm. Will McLaurie, Tom and Frank's brother, and a judge in Fort Worth, Texas, claimed in a letter he wrote during the preliminary pre, preliminary hearing after the shootout that Tom and Frank were still armed because they were planning to conduct business before leaving town to visit him in Texas. Well, they told him the night before. <sighs> Did not? Did not Ike not tell fucking Wyatt the night before? He oh, said he, morning, though. He wrote that. Now it's mid-afternoon. <laughs> yeah, well. He wrote that Billy Clanton, who had arrived on horseback with Frank, intended to go with the McGlory's to Fort Worth. Right. Mm. So they're going to Fort Worth and all that good shit, right? We're getting out of town. Sure. Since it's reported to Virgil on the Cowboys movement and the threats told him uh, that Ike and Tom had, had their uh, library stable and entered their fucking town, and they're still armed. So there's like, they ain't going there. They just entered the fucking livery, library, and they fucking put the horses in there. So you know if they put the horses in there. If you put your horses in why would you do that? You know that, you know. It clearly says that they left their livery stable and entered town. Right. Instead of leaving town. Right. Like they're supposed to. Right. Exactly what I said. Well, they never took the horses out. They were already there. Yeah, they left it with their horses. No. Yes. So no. they can get out of fucking town quicker. They left their horses in the thing. They left their horses in the library. Yes. That's what it says. 
they le- they left the li- livery stable and entered town while armed. Right. They didn't take their horses in town. How do you know? Because they had a fucking carriage and shit. I doubt they were running down the street with a carriage. They got to do something to get the fuck out. You can't run. <laughs> they clearly weren't going out. They went back in town. Well, anyway, they all pulled a fucking... <laughs> they pulled a, a, a fucking... Uh, a fucking... Uh, a fucking uh, twisty roo, a yeah, fucking the old swerve. The old swerve, and it was like psych, <laughs> psych. <laughs> we just wanted our weapons back. <laughs> uh, well, anyway, they turned around from the library and fucking headed back into town, armed to the fucking gills with fucking lead and fucking steel, in violation of city ordinance. Well, Virgil, Virgil Earp was told by several citizens that the McClarys and the Clintons had gathered on Fremont Street. Like, those sons of bitches are still there. They're on Fremont Street. Virgil's like, what? Are you sure it wasn't first and, uh, first and Allen? No, <laughs> like, it's no, Fremont. It's Fremont. All right. Well, Virgil decided that he had to disarm the Cowboys. He's like, oh, my God. You, you know He's what? like, guess He's what, like, guys? Boys. <laughs> boys, guess, I what? guess what I just decided. <laughs> I, have to th- I have to disarm those Cowboys. <laughs> Everybody's like, well, shit. Right. That's a hell of a decision. Right. He was like, um, yeah, we got to get, we got to take their guns. <laughs> we got to take care of these I guys. I mean, nothing else, nothing else to do. Well, his his decision to take action may have been influenced by the Cowboys' repeated threats <laughs> against the Earps. You think so? Obviously. Do you fucking think? Uh, the proximity to Holiday's room. <laughs> by, by proximity. It's like right outside the fucking like window. Right outside the window. Fucking At the Fly's boarding house. They're like fucking right fucking there. Talking about warriors and yeah. come out to play. And their location on the route the herbs usually took to their homes two blocks further west on Fremont Street. Huh. Maybe they were planning a good old ambush. I mean... It's common sense. They were definitely planning an ambush of Holiday because Holiday usually walked right by that vacant lot whenever he left the fucking. I think house, so. I think they were looking for Holiday and Wyatt. If they can get Wyatt and Holiday, they would've been good and skirted out of town. I would 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 assume. Yes. I need a beard. The other guys, the other guys were uh, were collateral. There is extracurricular activity. They would have got a ten. So several members of the Citizens Vigilance Committee offered to support him with arms, but Virgil refused. He had, during the prior month, appointed Morgan as a special policeman. He had also appointed Wyatt as a special policeman while Virgil had been in Prescott on business. He had also called on Doc Halliday that morning for help with disarming the Clintons. Halliday was like, uh, he was very fucking reluctant on taking a badge. He didn't want to, but he had to because he knew it was the only way... He had to in this instance. Right. It's the, the only, only way, way he could do it. Yeah, without you going to jail, bud. So he reluctantly, reluctantly, reluctantly. Well, Wyatt spoke of his brothers, Virgil and Morgan, as the marshals while he acted as a deputy. Right. Virgil Earp picked up the shotgun he had retrieved from the Wells Fargo office earlier. He had gave the shotgun to Doc, who hid it under his overcoat. Mm-hmm. He took Holiday's walking stick in return. He should have kept Holiday with his walking stick. <clears throat> Make it seem more fucking legit. Well, as usual, the Earps carry their revolvers in their coat pockets or in their waistbands. Wyatt Earp was carrying a 44 caliber American 1869 Smith & Wesson revolver. <whistles> Holiday was carrying a nickel-plated pistol in a holster. <whistles> uh, but this was concealed by his long coat, which he also had a shotgun. <laughs> the Earps, right, the Earps and Holiday walked west. Down the south side of Fremont Street, past the rear entrance to the OK Corral, but 
out of visual range of the Cowboys' last reported location. So, like, we're going to fucking, we can, they're in this little, they're in this little nicky nick nick. So, we be careful. Well, they don't know. That's where. They're not in the OK Corral. Yeah, the last reported location. Right. So, they got to be around here somewhere. Right. Well, so even if they were in the OK Corral, they still wouldn't have seen them because right. they took the fucking back way. Exactly. Near the corner of Fort Street and Fremont Street, the Earps ran into Sheriff Behan. He had left the Cowboys and came toward them. He was like, I know exactly where they're at. I just left them, and I'm coming towards you. Though he looked nervously backwards several times. Uh-oh. Virgil testified afterward that Behan told them, for God's sake, don't go down there. They will murder you. Murder! Weiss said Behan told him and Morgan, I have disarmed them. Oh. I said, how are they going to murder you then? How's that? Mm. Behan testified afterward that he had only said he'd done, he'd gone down to the Cowboys for the purpose of disarming them. And that n- never happened. Those guys still had their firearms. He said. And I left. He said, I went down there and said, look, boys. Give me your firearms. They said, no. They said, I said, no. Okay. I said, okay. <laughs> Okay, are you gonna? Are you, are you promised to not use them? Oh, we promise. It's like that scene from Friday. Right. He said, "What you gonna do about it, old man?" Uh, no, <laughs> get your ass up. coming down here messing with these people. Right. Well, one eyewitness laundryman, Peter H. Falahi, wrote in his testimony afterwards that Virgil Earp told Behan, "These men have made their threats, and I will not arrest them, but I will kill them on sight." When Bayhan said he had disarmed him, Virgil attempted to avoid a fight. I had a walking stick in my left hand, and my hand was on my six-shooter in my waist pants. Mm. And when he said he had disarmed him, I shoved it clean around in my left hip and changed my walking stick to my right hand. Right. Wyatt said, I took my pistol, which I had in my hand under my coat, and put it in my overcoat pocket. The Earps walked, the Earps walked further down Fremont Street and came into full view of the Cowboys right. in the lot. Right. So shit's getting, they're fucking, imagine that scene. Cowboys are sitting there fucking, I hope they show up. And then I fucking, fuck, the music are. fucking plays, and then fucking there's sh- right. shit exploding behind the Wyatts. And just shit. walking, they're and just, their, their coats are blowing in the wind. <laughs> Wyatts fucking mustache is flapping. <laughs> well, all of them, because they all had fucking right. separate dogs. Uh, Virgil had the big one, yeah. right? Uh, Wyatt testified he saw Frank McClary, Tom McClary, Billy Clanton, standing in a row against the east side of the building on the opposite side of the vacant space west of Fly's photograph gallery. White, Clanton, and Billy Claiborne, and a man I don't even know, I think it's Wes Fuller, were standing (laughs) in the vacant space about halfway between the photograph gallery and the next building west. So he's like, they're right across from each other, and they're, they're right there, right? I don't know. What do you want me to say? Addie Borland uh, corroborated Wyatt's testimony. She said, I seen that too. I saw five men opposite my house. They were leaning against a small house west of the Fly's Gallery. One man was holding a horse, <laughs> standing, like, ma'am, standing a little. Get your hand off the titty, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> standing a little from the house. <laughs> I want you boys to know that I pleasured myself to that yeah. vision all day. Yeah. I said lean against that house. <laughs> well, Martha <laughs> J. King was in Bowers Butcher Shop located on Fremont Street. She testified that when the Earp Party passed by her location, one of the Earps on the outside of the group looked across and said to Doc Holiday nearest the store, let them have it, to which Holiday replied, all right. All right. When the Earps approached the lot, the four lawmen initially faced six cowboys, Frank and Tom McLaurie, Billy Clanton, Billy Claiborne, Wes Fuller, and Ike Clanton. 
When the cowboys saw the officers, they stepped away from the Harwood house. They, they knew said, shit was going they said, down. Shit's about to go down, boys. You know, this is what we've been, tr- this this is what we've been doing. This is what we've been fucking waiting for. Well, in testimony given by witnesses afterward that disagreed about the precise location of the men before, during, and after the gunfight, the coroner's inquest uh, and the Spicer hearing produced a sketch showing the cowboys standing from left to right facing Fremont Street with Billy Clanton and then Frank McLaurie near the hardware house and Tom McLaurie and Ike Clanton roughly in the middle of the lot. Opposite, which makes sense with the other stories because they're leaning there and they started walking. Hmm. So, uh, opposite them and initially only about 6 to 10 feet away, Virgil Earp was on, damn, 10 feet away? Shit. Virgil Earp was on the left end of the Earp party, standing a few feet inside the vacant lot and nearest Ike Clanton. This motherfucker is basically from six feet. They're social distancing. They were social, social distancing, distancing. For a gunfight. Even for a gunfight right. back in the day, they had right. social distance. Yoma. Man, shit's about to get good. Behind him, a few Yoma. feet near the corner of C.S. Fly's boarding house was Wyatt. Morgan Earp was standing on Fremont Street to Wyatt's right, and Doc anchored the end of their line to the right of Morgan. Right. Well, Wyatt Earp drew a sketch in 1924 and another with John Flood on September 15, 1926, that depicted Billy Clanton near the middle of the lot, close to the Harwood house. Tom and Frank McGlory stood deeper in the lot. Right. Frank was in the center between the two buildings, holding the reins of his horse. When he says deeper, though, guys, it's only like two feet. It's still deeper. Three feet. Tom was closer to C.S. Fly's boarding house. According right. to Wyatt's sketches, Morgan was on the right of the lawman, close to the Harwood house, opposite Billy Clanton near the Harwood house, and right. close to Fremont Street. Right. Virgil was deeper in the lot, which opposite Frank and Ike Clanton. Right. Wyatt was to Virgil's left, mm-hmm. opposite Tom. Right. Doc Holliday hung back a step or two on Fremont Street. Yep. Well, neither of Wyatt's sketches included Ike Clanton or Billy Claymore, who ran from the fight. They did. Fuckers are gone. And who started it? Exactly. Fucking sad. Well, Virgil Earp was not expecting a fight. Right, he fucking bands right. said, Hey, bitches, we figured, yeah, I fucking disarmed him. We figured, hey, man, we outnumbered you. Oh, no, they were outnumbered. No, because the other two four. ran out. Well, not yet. Yeah, I can fucking, uh, you said I can, what's not the face? They ran. Not at the beginning. Fucking that was no. just a sketch that Wyatt fucking drew. Should be more than four. It should be at least five or six of the Earps. There's Virgil Morgan. It was just Virgil Morgan, Wyatt, and Holiday. That was it. That was it at that, that, that time? Hmm. Well, Virgil Earp was not expecting a fight. Once Behan said that he disarmed the Cowboys, Virgil traded the short, double-barreled shotgun he was carrying for Holiday's cane. That's his yeah. first mistake. Virgil carried the cane in his right hand and, his, and shifted still had his pistol. Right, and shifted the pistol in his waistband from the yeah, right side to the left. Yeah, but left-handed. Holiday concealed the short shotgun under his long jacket. Wyatt, too was not expecting a fight, and put his pistol in his overcoat pocket, which Ooh, is even worse. To, you can't hard to grab. Right. Billy Clanton and, and uh, Frank McGlory wore revolvers in the holsters. Right. Right fucking there. Everybody knows. Uh, alongside their saddle horses with rifles in their fucking uh, scabbards. Right on the side of the horses so they can just easily boop all that shit out. Possibly in violation of city ordinance <laughs> prohibiting carrying weapons in town. Not possibly. <laughs> it's oh not. It's God. not possibly at all. It's one hundred percent in violation. One hundred percent in violation of the city ordinance. Oh my. Possibly. This is a fucking CNN wrote this shit, didn't they? <laughs> what the fuck is this? <laughs> what the fuck? When Virgil saw the cowboys, he testified. He immediately commanded the cowboys to throw up your hands. I want your guns. All right. Wyatt said Virgil told the Cowboys, throw up your hands. I have come to disarm you. Well, same right. thing. 
Berger and Wyatt both testified they saw Frank McLaurie and Billy Clanton draw and cock their single-action six shots. Right. Virgil yelled, hold on, I don't mean that, or hold on, I don't want that. Right, either way. Jeff Morey, who served as a historical consultant on the film Tombstone, compared testimony by partisan and neutral witnesses and came to the conclusion that the Earps described the situation accurately. They didn't want it. They were like, hold on, we didn't come here for that shit. We didn't fuck, I, didn't fuck, I didn't know you guys had fucking guns. Right. Fucking Bayhan told us he disarmed you, right. you fucking dicks. All right. Who started shooting first is not certain. Who started shooting? They don't even care anymore. I don't know. I just heard some bullets. Uh, who started shooting first is not certain. Accounts by both participants participants and eyewitnesses are contradictory. They're like, well, I think I think the herb started shooting first. No, no, I'm pretty sure them Clinton sure and Lowly boys, cowboys, right? And they're like, well, we don't know. We <laughs> just heard gunfire. You know why we don't know? Because we don't care. I don't care. We don't care. Well, the smoke from the black powder using the weapons added to the confusion of the gunfight in the narrow space. That's why they don't care. Uh, and you didn't fucking, uh, you didn't get my setup. I just said that before. Pathetic. Right. Pathetic. Well, those those loyal to one side or the other told conflicting stories and independent eyewitnesses who did not know the participants uh, by sight, we're unable to say for certain who shot the first fucking fire. They're like, I don't know. This is crazy. I mean, how do you not? All I seen was black smoke. You can clearly see who's shooting before the smoke. All I seen was black smoke. So they didn't want to say. It was probably the herbs then. It was probably the herbs. Maybe. Uh, the six or seven men with guns fired about 30 shots in around 30 seconds. They're like, you should have been here. It was a fucking war zone. Imagine that. I swear I heard about 30 shots in about 30 seconds. Probably the most entertaining fucking shit that town I saw in, in 30 seconds. Right. Dude, I mean, how long is a fucking gunfight going to last, really? 30 seconds. You only get six shots, and then you got to fucking... And by that time, you're not reloading. You're standing right in front of each other. There's all those fucking... 30 seconds, man. There's more than 30 shots, then. Clearly, you've seen it. Virgil Earp reported afterwards, two shots went off right together. Billy Clanton's was one of them. Wyatt testified... Billy Clanton leveled his pistol at me, pistol at me, but I did not aim at him. Right. I knew that Frank McGlory had the reputation of being a good shot and a dangerous man, and I aimed at Frank McGlory. Right. He said he shot Frank McGlory after both he and Billy Clanton went for the revolvers. The first two shots were fired by Billy and myself. He's shooting at me, and I shooting at Frank. Right. Maury agreed that Billy Clanton and Wyatt Earp fired first, but Clanton missed. But Earp shot Frank McGlory in the stomach. Mm. Damn that motherfucker from his hip. Right. Left handed, too. No. What was that, he Frank? Had it in his overcoat. Virgil Frank. had it in his left. Oh. On the left holster. Wyatt missed him. Wyatt. Wyatt hit. Wyatt hit him? Yeah. Damn, he pulled that shit out of his front of his pocket. Out of front of his pocket. Billy Clanton shot at Wyatt and missed. Wyatt shot at Frank. Okay. And hit him in the stomach. Right. That's supposedly the first shot. Right. Well, all witnesses generally agree that the first two shots were almost indistinguishable. From ah, each so other. They literally fired at the fucking same time. It was a, it's a boo That's fucking fast triggers right there. Especially by, by Wyatt. Having so one dude already had, had his gun fucking already there. Wyatt had to fucking reach in his pocket and go. <laughs> That's fucking quick, dude. That is quick. Right. Well, mm. uh, 
after that, they said just firing just started, break, broke out right after that. There's people fucking all over the place. Like I said, another 28 shots in about 28 seconds right there. <laughs> uh, Virgil and Wyatt thought Tom was armed Uh-oh. when the shooting started. The horse that Tom McClory held jumped to one side. Wyatt said he also saw Tom throw his hands up to, to his hip. He was like, I saw it. He was supposed to be unarmed, but he put his hands to his hip. Well, is, is it possible to throw your hand up to your hip? Yeah, if it's down. <laughs> I guess. Right? <laughs> but most likely going down towards your hip. Right. Even, and, if, even if I don't think anybody would come up, you'd have to, like, there's probably, like. <laughs> right. So around, it was like, right? you know. Well, Virgil said that Tom followed the horse's movement, hiding behind it, and fired one or, tw- one or two shots over the horse's back. Mm. So he's saying that McGlory did have a weapon. Maybe. But how's he firing? Either or, he was hiding behind the horse, and they thought he had a weapon and firing at him. Right. That's true. Well, Virgil said Tom followed the horse's movement, hiding behind it, and fired once or twice yes. over the horse's back. So yes. he's saying, he's saying Tom, Tom fired twice. Fired. Tom fired twice. I mean, it's very well possible because, remember, they said they had a rifle in the scabbards. Right. That's true. Well, according to one witness, Holiday drew a large bronze pistol, interpreted by some as Virgil's coach gun, right. which it wasn't, it was from under his long old. coat, stepped around Tom McClory's horse, horse and shot him with a double-barreled shotgun in the Damn. chest at close range. Witness uh, C.H. Ham Light saw Tom running or stumbling westward on Fremont Street towards 3rd Street, away from the gunfight, right. while Frank and Billy were still standing and shooting. Light testified that Tom fell at the foot of a telegraph pole on the corner of Fremont and 3rd mm. and lay there without moving right. through the duration of the fight. All right, he was dead. Fally, he also saw Tom stagger across the street until he fell on his back. After shooting Tom, Holiday tossed an empty shotgun aside, pulled out his nickel-plated revolver, mm. and continued to fire at Frank and Frank McClory and Billy Clanton. All right. So motherfucking, uh, you know, Doc was probably just itching, like, a week prior, or a couple weeks prior, his fucking old lady fucking tried to get him arrested and right. fucking all that shit. Right. And, I mean, he's like, I just fucking need to kill somebody. Right. Well, Clanton had been publicly threatening to kill the herbs for about two months, three months. Several months. Yeah, it could have been six, including very <laughs> well, loud threats. It could be anywhere from three to fucking uh, uh, hundred. <laughs> several. <laughs> including very loud threats on the day before. Yes, Wyatt told the court afterward that Clanton had bragged that he would kill the Earps or Doc Holliday at the first opportunity. Yep. Uh, but when the gunfight broke out, Clanton ran forward <laughs> and grabbed Wyatt, exclaiming that he was unarmed. I don't want to fight. I'm unarmed, you son of a bitch. To his protest, Wyatt, he said, uh, to his protest, Wyatt said he responded, Go to fighting or get away. So basically, get the fuck out of here. If you ain't going to fucking shoot, get the fuck out of here. Right. Well, Clanton ran through the front door of Fly's boarding house and escaped unwounded. Ain't that about a bitch. Didn't look back. Other accounts say that Ike drew a hidden pistol and fired at the herbs before disappearing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I don't think he... Trying to, that's, that's his people saying right. that Ike did something brave before he fucking right. ran away like a little bitch. Right. Well, just like Ike, Billy Claiborne was unarmed. He and Cowboy West Fuller who had been at the rear of the lot, also ran from the fight as soon as the shooting began. <laughs> so three of the guys so, were gone. A bunch of fucking cowards. They're gone. They're like, we want this shit. Wow. Uh, according to so the... So that's how many? Left three. Three. Against four. Against four. According to the Tombstone Epitaph, Wyatt Earp stood up and fired in rapid succession as cool as a cucumber right. and was not hit. He wasn't hit at all. Well. Morgan Earp fired almost immediately as Billy Clanton drew his gun right-handed. Morgan shot hit Billy in the right wrist, disabling his hand. 
Forced to shift the revolver to his left hand, Clanton continued shooting until he emptied the gun. Virgil and Wyatt were now firing. Right. Morgan Earp tripped and fell over a newly buried water line and oh, fired from no. the ground. Wyatt shot Frank in the abdomen, and Frank took his horse by its reins and struggled across Fremont Street. Damn, Virgil, you idiots. Was it Virgil that flipped? No, Morgan. Morgan, you idiot. Morgan tripped, yeah. He tried He tried and failed to grab his rifle. Who tried? This is Frank now. Frank tried. Frank's and, got his horse by the reins, right. and he's going across the street with it now. Right. He's trying and trying so hard, and he can't grab his rifle from the scabbard, uh, but lost control of the horse. Couldn't fucking get it. Fucking horse is gone. Oh, horse is uh, horse Boom. spooked his he probably, he probably landed on his face. <laughs> Had to get up and like, what the fuck now? Frank crossed Fremont Street firing his revolver instead. Frank and Holiday exchanged shots as Frank moved across Fremont Street, and Frank hit Holiday uh in his pistol pocket. In his pistol pocket. Grazing him. Okay, so he grazed him a little bit. Holiday followed him, exclaiming, That son of a bitch has shot me, and I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I'm sure he got him a little bit. Enough to fucking... Well, grazed him. Or he chipped his bone, his hip or something, you know? Grazed him. All right. It was a flesh wound. Yeah, it was a flesh wound. It hurt. Morgan Earp sides, uh Shot me in the ass! <laughs> right. Morgan Earp finally picked his ass up off the fucking ground. And also fired at Frank. Frank fell to the sidewalk on the east side of Fremont Street. A number of witnesses observed a man leading a horse into the street and firing, firing near it. And 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 then Wyatt, in his testimony, thought this was Tom McGlory. So it had have been Tom McGlory. So this is confirmed. All right. Uh, Claiborne said only one man had a horse in the fight, <laughs> and that his and this man was Frank McGlory. Yes. Holding his own horse by the reins. Then losing it and its cover. So he lost his horse. He lost his cover. He lost his fucking rifle in the scum. What's it called? Scabbard. Scabbard. The scabbard. Um, the scabbard. Right. And he was like right in the middle of the fucking street. <laughs> he was like, oh, fuck. It's like when you wake up and you have a dream. Not wake up when you have a dream and you're naked at the bus stop or something. That's what he was. I've literally never had a dream like that. Frank McGlory was naked waiting at the bus stop in the middle of the fucking street. People have dreams about them being naked at a bus stop. Or at school. I've never had a dream like really? that. Really? No. I have dreams of me, like, falling off my bed, and it's like an eternal fucking drop. Yeah, and then diff- you wake up, you're like, ooh! That's different. Everybody has those. I think those are, like, not everybody. Or even not even when you're sleeping all the way. You're just laying there, and you're, like, half asleep, and next thing you know, you're... I think that's what happens, like, when you're about to fall asleep, and you feel like you're going to, like, fall off the bed or something, but no. then you're, like, in the middle of the bed, and you're like... What the fuck, fuck? dude? (laughs) You're like, let's expect it's normal. It's normal. (laughs) I think it's a condition like that. Only fucking killers. Everybody does it. Only only psychos. Everybody does that. Only people with mental issues. If you were to tweet that and people actually tweet it back. Yeah, because this world's full of fucking mental fucking psycho people. There would be 330 million Americans that would say yes. It's happening. 312. It's only 312. It's 328 million. So 312. We lost fucking, we lost fucking uh, 15 million, 16 million. 312. Might be 328. It's 328. Yeah, whatever. Well, it's up to you. I read all that. You didn't. Yes. No. I read all that. Well, West Bowler also identified Frank as the man in the street leading the horse. Though wounded, Billy Clanton and Frank McGlory kept shooting. One of them, perhaps Billy, shot Morgan Earp across the back in a wound that struck both shoulder blades and a vertebrae. Oh. Morgan went down for a minute before picking himself up. Either Frank or Billy shot Virgil Earp in the calf. Virgil thought it was Billy. Virgil, though hit, fired his next shot at Billy Clanton. 
Frank now entirely across the street mm. and still walking at a good pace, according to Claiborne's testimony, fired twice more before he was shot in the head under his right ear. Oh, shit. Damn. Both Morgan and Doc Holliday apparently thought they had the fired the shot at, uh, that killed Frank. They both they killed. They, 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 they both shot at him. Right, I killed him. No, I did. 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 Right? That's what they did. Said that for years. But since neither of them testified at well, the hearing. it's impossible for them to say it for years. Right. Considering one of the people involved. Right. <laughs> so. It's true. <laughs> Yes, for a couple months. Uh, well, yeah. Um, apparently, they both thought that they fucking killed Frank, but since neither of them testified at the hearing, this information is only from secondhand accounts. Mm. Hearsay does not hold up in court, say. Sure doesn't. A, a passerby testified to having stopped to help Frank. He was like, I was walking by, and I was like, oh, you're bleeding. Come here, Frank. <laughs> I have no idea why you're bleeding, son. I just, I'm totally oblivious to everything that like, just went on. He's like, I saw Frank. He was, he tried to speak, <laughs> but then he died right where he fell. You want? I can tell he wanted to say something, guys. He wanted I'm, to say something. But he was at. He, he, <laughs> I won. I won. I won. I won. <laughs> right. Uh, Billy Clanton was shot in the wrist, Uh-oh. chest. And abdomen. Wow. And after a minute or two, slumped to a sitting position near his original position at the corner of the hardwood house in the lot between the house and Fly's Lodgings house. We know where it's fucking between. You don't have to keep saying right. that. Right. And all those houses. <laughs> right. Uh, but Billy Clanton, he's hurting. He's fucking hunched over. He knows shit's fucked up. He's just fucking well, not only there. is hurting, he's dead. Right. Well, Claiborne said Clanton was supported by a window initially after he was shot. Uh, and fired oh, okay. some shots after sitting. And he's sitting there. He's like, patoo, patoo. Don't even give a fuck where they're going. Patoo. He's shooting in the ground at his feet. Patoo. Thinking he's doing stuff. <laughs> Patoo. <laughs> <laughs> With pistol supported on his leg. Yeah, so he's like, I don't know. Pew. <gasps> I just lost Uh-oh. the mic. I like that. <laughs> I felt, I felt the fucking, There's no way it could just pop uh, out. I thought they got a boom. Oh, oh. oh no. <laughs> well, anyway. You're, you're like fucking Billy. But anyway, just... Billy Clanton was sitting there firing some rounds off as he slouched over on the ground with his pistol supported by his leg. After he ran out of ammunition, he called for more cartridges. He was like, I need more ammo. But CS Fly took his pistol at about the time the general shooting ended. He's like, that's all for you, little buddy. You, you done what you could do, bud. Well, a few moments later, Tom McLaurie was carried from the corner of Fremont and 3rd into the Harwood house on that corner where he died without speaking. Right. Passersby carried Billy Clinton, Clinton. Clinton at the <laughs> Billy Clinton. <laughs> well, Billy Clinton to the Harwood house where Tom had been taken. Billy was in considerable pain and asked for a doctor and some fucking morphine, damn oh, it. Yes, come on. He told those near him, they have murdered me. I have been murdered. <laughs> Chase the crowd away from the door and give me my air. <laughs> Billy gasped for air and someone else heard him say, go away and let me die. Ike Clanton, who had repeatedly threatened the herbs with death, was still running. Right. This motherfucker. Some say he's still running to this day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> William Cuddy testified that Ike passed him on Allen Street. He's like, where are you going, Ike? He's like, I got time to go. I'm gone. <laughs> and Johnny Bayham saw him a few minutes later on Toughnut Street. <laughs> he's like, that's both. That's pretty quick. He must have really moving <laughs> if he got from there to there. This motherfucker kicking up dust. Kicking up dust. Was he on a horse? No. no this motherfucker was running. This motherfucker had Sonic 
It was like so, gone. Like I had sonic legs. This shit was just turning. <laughs> <laughs> Some say the ghost of Ike Ike Clanton can be seen running the streets of Tombstone to running this very street, day. Outside the streets of Tombstone. <laughs> afraid to enter. Just... Afraid to re-enter. Uh, Poor Ike. Poor Ike. Well, no, fuck Ike. He's, right. He's got fucking three of his peeps killed. What a piece of shit. And he started it. Yes, he did. Well, both Wyatt and Virgil believe Tom McLaurie was armed and testified that he had fired at least one shot over the back of a horse. Billy Clinton and Frank McLaurie exchanged gunfire with the lawman. During the gunfight, Doc Holliday was bruised by a bullet fired by Frank that struck his holster and grazed his hip. He just got bruised. Virgil Earp was shot through the calf. He thought by Billy Clanton. Morgan Earp, Morgan Earp was struck across both shoulder blades, and we all went through this already. And uh, he thought he was shot by Frank McGlory. Wyatt Earp was unhurt. It's crazy. This walking down the middle of the fucking street. Not even walking. They were just standing, standing there. Standing doing nothing. Well, Tom McGlory, his brother Frank, and Billy Clanton were killed. As the wounded lawmen were carried to their homes, they passed in front of the sheriff's office, and Johnny Behan told Wyatt, I will have you arrested. And Wyatt paused for two to three seconds, replied very forcibly, I won't be arrested today, Sheriff. I'm right here, and I'm not going away. You have deceived me. Doesn't sound very forcibly at all. You told me these men were disarmed. Sounds pretty calm. I went to disarm them. Doctor, I, I won't be arrested today. Right. <laughs> well, Doctor Good. No, he probably said it calmly. He's, he's, he's saying, "I won't be arrested today." Mm-mm. Oh, thanks, Sad. You tell me they didn't have no weapons, and you lied. <laughs> like, uh, like, and why? now I'm hurt. They're like, "Why? Are, why are you talking about that?" Why well, Doctor George, why are you talking George, like that? <laughs> Doctor George Goodfellow, Doctor Goodfellow treated the herbs wounds. Mm. Well, Doctor Henry Hem Matthews. Examined the dead cowboys late that night. He found Frank McGlory had two wounds, a gunshot beneath the right ear that horizontally penetrated his head, Damn. and a second entered in his abdomen one inch to the left of his navel. <sighs> uh, Matthews stated that the wound beneath the ear was at the base of the brain and caused instant death. Well, obviously. Sheriff Bahan testified that he heard Morgan Yerp, Yerp, <laughs> Morgan Herb yell, I got him, Yeah. Frank was shot. However, during the gunfight, Frank moved across Fremont Street, putting Holiday on Frank's right and Morgan on his left. Uh, this makes it much more likely that Holiday shot the fatal round that killed Frank. And maybe fucking Morgan was like, ha-ha, got him! Ha-ha! Well, they probably both shot at the same time. Ah, uh, got him! Uh, when he examined Tom McGlory's body, Matthews found 12 buckshot wounds from a single shotgun blast on the right side, which... Damn, Doc Holiday fucked him fucked up. Fucked him up, which is under his arm between the third and the fifth ribs. The wound was about four inches across. The nature yeah, and location. That was extremely close range, dude. The fucking buckshot didn't even have time to spread. It's four inches. Well, it's fucked you up. Fucked shit, you up, bud. Um, the nature and location of the wound indicated that it could have that it could not have been received if Tom's hands were in his coat, uh, as the Cowboys later testified. Oh, so like, there's saying, no way. He's saying that uh, hands were basically in he's saying that blew up his arm. From to sh- no, right. In order for him to hit him under his, his hands arm, were up. he had to have his arm up. His Possibly he's, shooting. He's pew-pewing. I was pew-pewing. Pewing, pew, 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 And he got shot in the rib, 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 rib. 
Uh, he got shot between the third and so, fifth ribs. So that right there fucking uh, uh, questioned the Cowboys fucking testimony. Both Virgil and Wyatt stated that Holiday had shot Tom, which it's well supported, which the uh, coroner's examined also supported. Uh, Dr. George Goodfellow testified about Billy Clanton's wounds at the Spicer hearing. He stated that the angle of the wrist wound indicated that Billy's hand could not, I repeat, could could not not have been raised over his head as claimed by the cowboy witnesses. Mm. Mm. So they're saying he had his hands up. Right. There's no way. But he got shot here. Right. How do, you, how do you get shot at the front of your wrist when right. you had your hands up? Right. His hands were at a fucking shooting motion. Definitely not even possible. His hands no. were in a shooting motion and got fucking fired upon. Well, in his coroner's report, Matthews did not mention Billy's arm wound, but witness Keefe, who examined the arm closely, testified later that Clanton was shot through the right arm close to the wrist joint, right. and the bullet passed through the arm from inside to outside, right. entering the arm close to the base of the thumb and exiting on the back of the wrist diagonally. Ooh. Huh. This indicated to the judge that Billy could not have been holding this coat's lap open, his arm raised, as the Cowboys testified. Dr. Matthews found two other wounds on Billy's body. The first was two inches from Clanton's left nipple. Mm. Damn. Oh, damn. So just missed the heart. Um, and penetrated his lung. The other was in the abdomen beneath the 12th rib, six inches to the right of the navel. Mm. Both were fired from the front. Neither passed completely through his body. The wound to Billy Clanton's right wrist may have been inflicted by Morgan Earp or Doc Holliday immediately at the outset of the fight at Billy was, as Billy was drawing his gun. Okay. So, yeah. Drawn. Boom. Boom. Well, that was definitely Doc, dude. That was definitely Doc that fucking uh, right. shot him in his hand. hand. Why Clanton filed murder charges against the Earps and Holliday on the 30th of October. Justice Wales Spicer convened a preliminary hearing on the 31st of October to determine whether enough evidence existed to go to trial. In an unusual proceeding, he took written and oral testimony from about 30 witnesses over more than a month. So he's like, this is going to take about a month. You guys, I need you to stick in town and be cordial. (laughs) You can do that, please. Well, Sheriff Behan testified that the Cowboys had not resisted, but had thrown up their hands and turned turned out their coats to show that they were not armed. Sure. He said that Tom McGlory threw open his coat to show that he was not armed and that the first two shots were fired by the Earp Party. Behan insisted that Holiday had fired the first shot using a nickel-plated revolver. Although other witnesses reported seeing him carrying a messenger shotgun immediately beforehand. Mm. I mean, well, if it made sense, then cool. But nothing's making sense. Nothing's making sense for the old cowboys. No. Uh, the Earps hired experienced trial lawyer Thomas Fitch as a defense counsel. Wyatt testified that he drew his gun only after Clanton and McClory went for their pistols. Right. He detailed the Earps' previous troubles with the Clantons and McClory's and explained that he had intended to disarm the Cowboys I mean, and that his uh, party had fired in self-defense. Premeditated, man. Plus, not the fact that they were supposed to leave town and said, psych, and circled back right back in. And was disobeying the ordinance. To right. Boot. I mean, come on. Well, Fitch produced contradictory testimony from prosecution witnesses during cross-examination or they appeared to dodge his questions or said they could not remember. Mm. Well, Justice Spicer ruled on November 30th that there was not enough evidence to indict the men. Yeah. He said that the evidence indicated that the Earps and Holiday acted within the law and that right. Virgil had deputized Holiday uh, and, and Wyatt. Wyatt. Right. The Earps and Holiday were free, but their reputations had been tarnished. They had been. Uh, the Cowboys in Tombstone looked upon the Earps as robbers and murderers and plotted revenge. Obviously. 
get that. They plotted revenge. Plotted revenge. Well, we all know what that is. Virgil was ambushed on December 28th while walking between saloons on Allen Street in Tombstone. And he was maimed by a shotgun blast which struck his left arm and shoulder. Ike Clanton's hat was found in the back of the building across of Allen Street from where the shots were fired. Why... Wyatt wired U.S. Marshal Crowley P. Drake, asking to be appointed Dake. deputy. Dake or Dake. Dake. Dake, asking <laughs> to be appointed deputy U.S. Marshal authority to select his own deputies. Dake granted the request in late January and provided the herbs with some funds that he borrowed from the Wells Fargo. Mm. Uh, variously reported as between 500 and three grand. So That's a hell of a margin. So Virgil was moitered then, or he was just wounded? Oh, Virgil just got wounded, man. Wounded. You ever seen the fucking... Right. Story. Yes. In mid-January, Earp's ally Rickabaugh sold the Oriental Saloon to Earp's adversary Milt Joyce. So Wyatt sold his gambling concessions at the hotel. Earp's also raised some funds from sympathetic business owners in town. Wyatt and Virgil submitted their res- resignations to Dake on February second, eighteen eighty-two, being tired of the criticism leveled against right. them. Right. But he refused to accept them because their accounts had not been settled. Oh. Uh, on the same day, Wyatt sent a message to Ike Clanton that he wanted to reconcile their differences, which Clanton refused. Oh, no. Clanton was also acquitted that day of the charges against him in the shooting of Virgil right. when the defense brought in seven witnesses who testified that Clanton was in Charleston at the time of the shooting. How to get sure. a Charleston fast. Sure. Well, he wasn't. what I'm saying. Well, the Herbs needed more funds to pay for the extra deputies and associated expenses. As uh, contributions from supportive business owners were not enough. Mm. Like, it's, it's not enough, guys. Well, on the 13th of February, Wyatt uh, mortgaged his home uh, to lawyer James G. Howard for $365 hairs, about 9600 bucks today. Hmm. Uh, he was never able to pay the loan, and Howard foreclosed on the house in 1884. <laughs> fucking this guy's over here defending your fucking town, right. James G. Howard. Right. Motherfucker. Well, Morgan Earp was sadly murdered on March 18th while playing billiards, shot by gunmen, firing from a dark alley through a door window into the billiard room. Got him good. He was struck in the right side. The bullet shattered his spine, passed through his left side, and lodged in the thigh of George A.B. Barry, while another round nearly missed him. A doctor was summoned, and Morgan was moved from the floor to a nearby couch while the murderers escaped in the dark. In the dark. He died 40 minutes later. Bled out on his leg, I bet. Or his belly. his back. Yeah, he's back. Uh, Wyatt felt that he could not rely on civil justice and decided to take matters into his own hands to kill the murderers himself. He said, this ain't going to work out. It ain't going to be here for days. Fuck this shit. That was cold blood murder. Yes, sir. For more info on the gunfight and the events that led up to it, visit legendsofamerica.com. And also check out the Wikipedia page on this very, very, very topic of Wyatt Earp. Okay, Corral. In the fucking hearings. All that. All that shit. A hand-drawn sketch of the fight sold at auction for $380,000 in 2010. But who's the hand? Is that the hand-drawn of who? It's from the guy that wrote Wyatt Earp's book in like 1929 oh, before he died. So it's not even a fucking this is from, one of the this real is ones. what Wyatt's telling him. But if they say, okay. This is why it sold for $380,000. Okay, so let's look at that. Yeah, they're right there, like I said, in little nook and cranny. Right here. Yep, right in a little nook and cranny right well, there. There's clearly shit behind him, so it was open. Well, it's it not wasn't. Like there was a wall there. It was. There was oh, all you that see, it's open. Yeah, it was kind of open, but was it? Mm. Well, the first film. Well, the first film to show the gunfight was Law and Order, made in 1932. 
and arguably the most famous depictions of the gunfight were in 1992's Tombstone, starring Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp and fucking Val Kilmer as Doc Holliday and uh, and um, um, Sam Elliott as Virgil and um, Bill Paxton <laughs> as Morgan. Morgan and um, there's other guys in there about too. Out, about it. Kurt Russell as Wyatt Earp. Did we, I say that right? Establish that. Um, right, and uh, um, and in 1993's Wyatt Earp, starring Kevin Costner as Earp. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey! Uh, uh, <laughs> check out part one of these series about everything Wyatt Earp did before this very shootout that we just talked about. And also, after you check out part one and you listen to part two again, because you had to listen to part one, now you got to listen to part two, right. you're going to have to check out part three, which is next week, where we look at the Earp's Vendetta ride. Oh, boy. Only coming from you from the Mouthy Michiganders, and we give you everything you need and want about the pew pew. Pew pew. If you guys think there was pew, pew. some murders in today's episode, pew pew. Wow, wow, Wes. Wow, wow, Wes. If you think there were some murders in today's episode, oh, wait well, until this Earp Vendetta wow, ride. Wow, well, episode. it's only part three, so. Exactly. Well, part part four, I'm going to I'm gonna say right now, part four is not going to have any murders. <laughs> no, part four is just, well, it's going to be there's gonna Part be a four death. is the end of the guy's gonna life. Be a there's going to be a death. That's about it. It was a murder. Fucking Mother Nature murdered this motherfucker. <laughs> Mother Nature. He moited him. Mother Nature moited him. He moited. Yeah, that's fucking part two all about OK Corral in the part four or four part two of the four-part series. Four-part series. Wyatt I don't know. Earp Wyatt here Earp. on Outlaws and Gunslingers. You can go check out the rest of our shows at mouthofmichiganders.podbean.com. Monday Night Watch Along, Debate 8, and... This week in rock history, as well as some maybe some bonus episodes of Lee and Corey and some other shit that we feel like doing in between all that. Also stuff. check out, also check out Lee and Corey. There's only like six of them on the the actual site right now. There's there should actually, be more. There's actually all of them on the Mouth of Michiganders feed, so you can go check out. You every have to look through one them. them. I don't know why you stopped doing the fucking Lee and Corey one. No, they're all released separately now. They should be on the Lee and Corey one then. No, because I would have to pay extra for Podbean to do it didn't have to do that on Spreaker. Maybe if uh, certain co-hosts would fucking help out and do something once in a while. Uh, that's another episode. That could be a bonus episode. You guys never know. So it could be shit like that. You never know. So like I said, go you to mouthymichiganders.podbean.com and check out know. all of our shit. At you least never know. a minimum you never know. of four shows a week. You never know. And four you outlaws and gunslingers. We you are the Mouthy Michiganders with a banging day.
Thank you.